0: I believe Brother Ronald announced uh, that there would be a short afternoon service. Uh, I went to high school at Nashville Central. It is no more, but our coach, uh, Coach Garland Russell, and the football coach in the off season, had to teach uh, health. You know, he always, athletic directors, whatever, had, had, had a class, so he taught health. And they say one time he went to the library, he said, I need a film strip. Y'all remember film strips, a little roll of film, and it had a recorded cassette with it, beep, beep, and the librarian asked, Coach Russell, well, what are you wanting about? He said, about 30 minutes, so <laughs> that's what we're after here. Uh, I'd like to go with you to the book of Acts mainly, Acts um, Eleven twenty. Well, let's begin at eleven twenty-two. Then the tidings of these things came into the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. They sent forth Barnabas; they should go as far as Antioch. The Gentiles were had heard the good news of what the Lord had done. They were rejoicing. They were believing it. Uh, they were having services and the word got back to the church at Jerusalem, what was going on. And so they sent Barnabas to go check it out. He said, When he came and seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they should cleave unto the Lord. For He was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith and much people was added to the Lord. Let me stop here for a minute. Um, if you ever want to have a a resume has something said about you to summarize your life or put an epitaph to put on your tombstone. He was a good man. If we could have that, that would just be so neat. All the things that could have said about Barnabas, the things he did and, and, and uh, the work he did, but he simply said he was a good man. Isn't that so neat just to summarize? Just he, he was a good man nothing stupendous, nothing outstanding where, like somebody running for president, they, they can uh, just do all these great things, but no, he, he's, he's a good man. Um, he and Paul were friends. Now, if you recall later on, they kind of have a falling out. Uh, they argue about John Mark, whether he can travel with them or not, because they gave up one time, and they got ready to go for a second trip, and so it seems that Mark was uh, Barnabas' nephew, and so he wanted to take him with him again. And Paul said, no, he gave up one time. We're not going to do it again. So he split. The word was so contentious that he split up. And so Paul went with Silas, and Barnabas went with uh, John and Mark. But, but here, they're getting along well. Everything is doing fine. And he does a little research there. He's kind of like a spy going to check things out. see what uh, the church is doing there at Antioch and it's all good news. everything is working out real well and so they bring the word back um, to, back from Antioch and everything was uh, going well. And the Bible says he, he, Barnabas uh, uh, went to Tarsus to seek out Saul. Uh, that's one thing about Barnabas. he was a encourager, the Bible says. He was one who would share uh, the glory with people. You know, he could have come back and say, well, this is all my doing. It's just me. And then we're going to go back and we're going to have a church and we're going to work on helping out the church at Antioch. But no, he went and got Paul. Now, I I think Paul still had some lingering problems because some of the people didn't trust Paul because of his background. But he went and got Paul and they came together and and they worked together. Someone once said that there's no limit to what you can do as long as you don't care who gets the credit. If you're trying to hold all the credit to yourself like Barnabas could have done, he could have just kind of said, this is all me, and I'll go back and handle it all by myself. I don't need any help. And he shared it with Apostle Paul. Paul kind of would outshine him, of course, later on. But if we've got something that we're doing, and we need some help. And we're going to try to keep it all the glory to ourselves. That's not going to work. You're not going to make much progress here. But if you don't care who gets the, gets the credit for it, then you're going to be able to really accomplish some things in the name of the Lord. And when they found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians First in Antioch, we label ourselves Primitive Baptists. Originally, they was the the Baptists. Then they became, in 1836, something like that, they split. And we had the Old School Baptists and the New School Baptists. We were the Old School Baptists. They had the uh, Missionary Baptists and the Primitive Baptists. And so various names here, but... In this first century, it seemed like uh, somebody came with the idea of Christian. There's some things to think about here. This first thing, they were called Christians. They didn't get together and vote and say, well, how are we going to name ourselves, what are we going to do, how, what kind of uh, label we're going to put on ourselves. Somebody else called them Christians and, and gave them that name. And, and also, it wasn't bad they walked around saying, well, we're so uh, pious, we're so uh, important here, we need to have a, a special name and we're going to uh, wear some jewelry maybe, some fancy clothing. It no, wasn't anything like that. They were just recognized as Christians because of their way of life and also they are disciples. Some people are afraid to use the term Christian. I know when I was in Mississippi, there was a contingent of people I talked to about this that they thought it meant Christ-like, and that uh, you, if you use the name Christian, you're claiming that you're like Christ. You're claiming, uh, being bare presumptuous of doing this, and so. But they they were reluctant to use the name. In my, in my opinion, do like the Bible says. The Bible says the uh, disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So if um, you are a disciple, you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And I think the world wrong with using the term Christian for yourself or to allow other people to, call, people to call you that, but it is a name, a very honorable name. There are some that thought also it was perhaps a, a ugly name. People threw at them because of Christ being, in their mind, a failure. He came to organize a religion, and he was executed. It didn't work because they're forgetting the fact he rose again and came back to be very successful. But the concept here of it being a derogatory name, I don't think that's the whole water. It, a Christian is a very, very uh, desirable name. It, it is a very important name. It, it occurs a few times in the Bible. Uh, look of Acts. We find there's a place where in the early church, Paul has got trouble with the leaders in Rome and he is arrested the Jews have him arrested by the Romans and I guess they they would like to have the Romans allow them to execute Paul but Paul said I appeal to Caesar so in the 25th chapter of the book of Acts we find that he makes his appeal to Caesar and he's dealing with some leaders there are three leaders in this little event here. I like to think about one was Felix, Festus, and Agrippa. Now, Felix, not the cat, but Felix was the uh, procurer of uh, Palestine appointed by the Caesar, and he was in charge there, and then he was fading out, being replaced by Festus. Not gunsmoke, but it was the, uh, King Festus. And so they were, two of them involved, with Paul had been left over with uh, Felix, and he didn't know what to do with him. He did appeal to Caesar, so when he, t- when he turned him over to Festus, King Festus said, okay, I, I, by the way, I had this, this guy, Paul. He's left in my jail, and he appealed to Caesar. I don't know what to do about him. And so both of these guys began to listen, hear him out, have uh, interviews with him just decide, well, what is he talking about here? And, and why are the Jews ripped so much out of the main frame about him, that they want to actually kill him? And so we, we find that in this conversation here there's one significant thing about uh, Felix. As Paul's talking, the Bible says that Felix trembled. He kind of shook a little bit. I think it got his attention, the thing that Paul was telling them. I think he perhaps was saying, well, ooh, this, this is something else. Now, how did uh, Festus take this thing in he listened to him he says Paul you're nuts basically he says much learning has made thee mad you, you've been driven crazy so here we have one fellow that says I'm I, I moved by this I'm trembling by it and then the other fellow says it's, it's made you crazy that you are, you're just a, just a nut here Paul well we find that then the new king comes in King Agrippa Uh, this is King Agrippa number 2 there were two two Agrippas the first one was the one that had all all the babies killed he was the one that had John the brother of James killed he was also the one that had uh, John the Baptist uh, beheaded because of his uh, daughter uh, stepdaughter but so he was a bad bad guy but his son, King Agrippa 2nd wasn't too bad a guy. And so he comes on the scene. We find uh, Felix is gone. Festus is there in charge. But Agrippa is king of another area in Palestine nearby. And so they're consulting back and forth. And he wants um, Agrippa to hear this guy, Paul. What is he talking about here? Does it make any sense to you? And so come tell your story again. So Paul told his story again. And the Bible doesn't indicate that Festus was moved. But Agrippa was. And after he got through telling his story in verse uh, 26 uh, chapter 26 verse 28 And then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. So here's an individual that uh, was a high government official. The message that Paul gave him caused him to be motivated to say, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. That's a pretty big thing to say. But he didn't, no indication he moved on, united with the church, or did anything but he did acknowledge that he was one who perhaps this thing got to him. There are several people in the Bible that you have indication that they were touched by the things around them, and yet they wouldn't carry through with it. Uh, Matthew, the 19th chapter, find what's described by many as the rich young ruler comes blatantly asking Jesus, what must I do to have eternal life? And the Bible says that Jesus looked upon him and, and loved him, which indicate that God already loved him, he was heaven bound. But he says, if you would be complete, I mean there's some things in your life that need to be worked on, you're coming up a, a little short here, keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. And then he says, well, I've kept all of these for my life. I'm, I'm such a pretty, uh, pretty big guy, I'm well, you, I, I can brag on myself about what, everything that I've done, and the Lord just says, "One thing thou lackest. How about coveting? Sell all that thou hast to feed the poor." Here was a man in the presence of Jesus Christ. He was there with the Son of God, talking with him, conversing with him, He told that he loved, that God loved him, that he was loved by Christ yet the Bible says, But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. How many people are like that? They're moved by the gospel, they're moved by things. Doesn't mean that they're not going to heaven. Doesn't mean they're not a child of God, but they're grasping too much. Somebody once said that this young man's possessions possessed him. Uh, they were so important to him that they want to just hold on to everything. Do you realize how much of a weight that possessions are? Things you own. If you have a lot of money, or a lot of things, you worry about losing it. You worry about trying to protect it. You're trying to be worrying about how am I going to keep this from being taken away from me? And all of a sudden, instead of you possessing possessing possessions, the possessions are possessing you, and they're running your life certain this man had he uh, given up his possessions I believe he would have walked away happy but the Bible says he walked away sorrowful because he had great possessions another example I find in the Bible of somebody like this is over in the the 12th chapter of the book of John Jesus is uh, preaching in the temple and the Jewish leaders are listening they hearing. And the Bible says that some of them were touched by what he was saying. John, the 12th chapter, verse 42. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also, many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest it should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. So here's some leaders these are some big officials here and they believed him they were understanding and they were uh, deep down I think rejoicing the message that Christ was giving and yet because of the fear of people around them they refused to acknowledge and confess him, confess him as Lord I find the same thing remember the book of John I think it's the ninth chapter when the young man born blind and his uh, mother and father or uh, ask about him and they give him very little support because it had already been told that if anybody supports this man Christ and, and, and gives an indication that you believe that what he says is true, you'll be cast out of the synagogue and so because of social reasons because of uh, what well, he these leaders in the synagogue because of their position they just uh, turn their back even though they knew it was right, even though they knew that it was correct what they were hearing. And then there's another example where in second Peter, First Peter, fourth chapter, 4, Peter's listening over the things that a man could suffer about, that you will suffer. But it says in verse 14, be ye reproached, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy you. The spirit of glory and God testifying upon you on their part. For he is evil spoken up, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, as a busybody in other men's matters. If any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Peter says, if, if you are caught doing some bad things, if you are uh, arrested, if you are being justly punished, be ashamed. Be ashamed. You ever think about this? There's a two thieves who were executed beside Jesus Christ on either side of his cross. And, and one of them was railing on Jesus, just making fun of him. You save others, save yourself, come down just to, you know, and just uh, giving all sorts of uh, criticism. And, and, and yet the other says, you know, back off. We're suffering justly for what we have done. We have been thieves. And in the context of the Bible, a thief was a murderer. We have murdered. We have stolen. We suffered justly. We, we de- deserve to have this. We deserve to suffer and to be ashamed of this. But then if you are suffering as a Christian nothing to be ashamed about that. It's going to happen. The Lord says in the world you shall have tribulation. No no question about it. uh, It's to be expected. I know looking back on my life I haven't suffered much. So That's a problem I think. Maybe I should have suffered more. And I I don't want more suffering. I don't want tribulation. Uh, I don't want to have my patience increased but if it happens, it shouldn't bother me. It should be okay. If man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. The word Christian, it should not be uh, hesitantly used. We don't need to walk around, as I say, wearing jewelry, or someone like got to have people look at us and say, oh, he's a big a uh, big Christian. He's big something something. He's really trying to get attention. You know, It just kind of blows my mind to see these rock stars and these uh, singers and others that are wearing these religious jewelry, crosses and other things. And yet you know their life is not like that. And yet they're trying to have that assigned to them because of the clothing and the, and the jewelry that they wear. But it's this any man suffer as a Christian. Let him not be ashamed somebody once said I think it may may have been Art Linklater doesn't sound like him but I remember that somehow that if if you were arrested for being Christian would there be enough evidence to convict you or if the Russians came here or somebody came here and were to arrest all Christians could you get out of it could you sneak through because there wasn't enough evidence to, to convict you? We go back and say, what would it, must have been like in that church at Antioch? They were very few people in the beginning. They were having to deal with the situation at hand. Or even the Jews were against the Gentile Christians. And they were having to deal with all sorts of criticisms and problems and things like this. And, and yet they kept on keeping on and they were recognized As disciples, the word disciple comes from the word discipline, which means you're disciplined to follow after the teachings of Jesus Christ. We worship, we support, and we also learn about His instructions, what He had to say for us to do. And do we try to discipline ourselves to pay the price? To just muscle up and go on and do what needs to be done in order to be his disciple that come what may and let that be the most important thing of our life that we are a disciple then we can rightly say that we are a Christian we're striving to follow after him may God bless you 30 <laughs> I give back 10 minutes <laughs>